Second point is this. The doctrine of deliverance means we have been delivered by the Spirit of truth, listen, from error to truth. We have also been delivered from sin to righteousness by the Spirit of holiness. It's an aspect of salvation every Christian needs to understand. What is it that God delivers you from when He saves you? Well, John MacArthur's current study on Grace to You is clarifying that issue. John is showing you all the things Christ delivers you from when He grants you salvation. And today's focus is especially practical. You're going to see how believing in Christ should affect your day-to-day decisions. And in turn, you'll see how that affects your future. This series on the life-changing power of salvation is titled, Delivered by God. And now with today's lesson, here is John MacArthur. I must continue to deliver what I feel is pressing on my heart. I don't ever remember hearing a sermon on deliverance. I don't ever remember reading a theology about deliverance. And so I began to look in some of the indexes in the back of theology books to see if there was any discussion on the subject of deliverance. I couldn't find anything. I began to view salvation from the perspective of deliverance and realized that this great truth is largely neglected in the church. And so we're in the midst of this series on deliverance, the neglected doctrine. And why is it important? It's important because I am saying to you in this series that I am continually saddened and I am continually disappointed by the widespread lack of discernment in the quote-unquote evangelical church. And while its lack of discernment is obvious to any discerning person, and while we could make a long list of things that they don't seem to discern very well. At the very top of that list is one most critical matter where there is a serious lack of discernment, and that is the issue of who is a true Christian. And it's astonishing to me how confused people are. And the way to understand who a Christian is is to understand deliverance, the theology of deliverance. You can tell a Christian because they're delivered. That's what the Bible teaches. And you know, just at that point, maybe we can talk practically. Deliverance, I believe, may be the best, most comprehensive, most clarifying word to define a Christian. The first category of deliverance is those who are really Christians have been delivered out of error into truth. Now listen to what I say. No one is a Christian who does not understand, believe, embrace, and love the truth. What truth? The truth that we call the gospel. No one can be a Christian who has not been delivered out of false doctrine into true doctrine, and that is into the gospel of Jesus Christ. You must be delivered into the true gospel. Any other gospel, Galatians 1, results in a curse. And 2 John 
anybody who does not abide in the teaching of Christ, who doesn't settle down in the true teaching of Christ, does not have God, Second John 9. Now let me just take you to a passage that will act for us as a transition, Romans 6, verse 17. Just a simple thought here, okay? Thanks be to God. You were slaves of sin. Stop there. What's a slave? Well, that's a, that's a word that carries a lot of baggage with it, right? A slave is somebody who is in abject, dutiful service under a master. When we think of a slave, we, th we think of someone whose will, whose ideas, whose opinions, whose plans, whose purposes, whose future are not in their own hands. Don't matter. A slave is somebody who does whatever he's told. A slave is somebody who is under commanding authority. And he says about us, you were slaves of sin. We are literally dominated by sin. Sin is our master. Occasionally we do something that is humanly good and kind and something that may be even humanly noble. Occasionally we express love, we take care of children, we take care of older people, we give to charity. But the basic dominating force and power in our lives is sin. It's the way it is. In verse 18, but you've been freed from sin, and you became slaves of righteousness. Wow, this is a dramatic change. I mean, this is a major dramatic change. You, you no longer are a slave to sin. You're now a slave to righteousness. Your master is righteousness. Your, your compelling power is righteousness. And where once you found your satisfaction and you found your delight and you found your joy and you found your fulfillment in, in, in sin, you now find your delight and your satisfaction and your joy and your fulfillment in righteousness. Where once you hated the thought of doing right and loved the thought of doing wrong, and now you hate the thought of doing wrong and love the thought of doing right. That's a big change. Big change. How did it happen? Middle of verse 17. Got to see this. You became obedient from the heart. Something didn't happen on the outside. You didn't get a new set of rules and grit your teeth and grind away to try to fulfill them. Something happened on the inside. You became obedient from the heart. Obedient to what? Look at this. To that, and I'm going to give you the Greek, tupon didakes, into which you were delivered. There's that great word, delivered. Paradidomi in this case, to deliver, to hand over, to relocate. The reason you have changed. The reason you have stopped being a slave of sin and become a slave of righteousness, the reason is because you were delivered from error into that tupon didakes, tupon meaning that mold, that structure, that form, that body. And the idea there is there is a body of truth, a body of teaching a set of doctrines, truths, into which you were delivered and became obedient from the heart. That's the first indication of a true Christian. They have been delivered into the body of truth that saves. And if they haven't, they aren't Christians. 
If somebody can't explain the gospel, doesn't embrace the gospel, doesn't believe the true gospel, they're not saved. I wish they were. But the only way to help them become what they're not is to tell them they're not. Not to tell them they are. I don't want to be a part of that deception. They have not been delivered from the heart into that body of truth that constitutes the gospel. That leads me to the second point, at last. I'm just going to introduce it. Second point is this. The doctrine of deliverance means we have been delivered by the Spirit of truth, listen, from error to truth. We have also been delivered from sin to righteousness by the Spirit of holiness. And that's right there. Look back at verse 17. You were slaves of sin. Verse 18, you became slaves of righteousness. That is a fact, folks. That's a fact. Sometimes somebody will say, oh, you know, my, my husband is just behaving terribly. He, he's not interested in the church and, uh, you know, he's going off with this woman and he's having an affair or whatever, whatever, whatever. And I, I you know, I, I know he's a Christian because I, 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 I he used to go to church and uh, so forth. So let me tell you something. If a person wants to sin, if a person's greatest satisfaction, fulfillment is found in sin, that's not a Christian. There is a new life principle. There is a new slavery. And it is a slavery to righteousness. It isn't that we're perfect. It's just a new principle that creates a new practice. It amazes me how people don't get this. One of America's leading theologians used, uh, wrote a book and talked about the fact that when you're converted, it, it, it may not change anything in your life. What? That is absolutely absurd. It changes everything in your life, absolutely everything. Go back with me to Ezekiel 36. I want to show you the core principle at the very essence of being that is changed in this deliverance. The New King James, by the way, translates Romans 6, 17 excellently by using the word delivered. But in Ezekiel 36, this most notable passage on the New Covenant, and the New Covenant is the saving covenant, but I want you to notice the character of this New Covenant salvation. Verse 25, I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. What's going to happen when I save you, what's going to happen is I'm going to clean you and cleanse you from all your filthiness. That is amazing. There's going to be a washing here, synonymous with the washing of regeneration in the New Testament, the washing of the water of the Word. And I'm going to cleanse you from all your filthiness and your idols. Verse 26, I'm going to give you a new heart. That is, he's, the, the, the prophet here is, is reaching in and talking about the very seat of thought and feeling and emotion and attitude. I'm changing the inward character, the inward nature, the inward principle, the inward disposition, a new heart. I'm putting a new spirit. I'm going to remove that hard heart that couldn't sense righteousness, and, and I'm going to give you a tender heart. And verse 27, I'm going to put my spirit within you. I mean, that is just, that is uh, 
coming at it every way He can come at it. I, I'm going to change everything about your insides and, this is so good, verse 27, I'm going to cause you to walk in My statutes and you'll be careful to observe My ordinances. And uh, the end of verse 28, you'll be My people and I'll be your God and I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. When you become a Christian, the Spirit of truth moves you from error to truth, and the Spirit of holiness moves you from sin to righteousness, from vice to virtue. Called His name Jesus, Matthew one twenty one, because He would save His people from their sins. Sin's power, sin's dominion is broken, shattered. Back to Romans 6 for a moment, and there's so many Scriptures. He says in verse 19, I'm, I'm talking in human terms, I'm, I'm talking in the language of slavery because it's a good human metaphor. I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. I mean, you, as human beings, it's hard for you to understand spiritual truth, so I'm attaching it to something you do understand, like slavery. Uh, and further, in using human analogies, you, you once presented your, your members, the, your faculties as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, all your human faculties, all of them, your mind, uh, your thought patterns, your voice, your speech, your body, everything was basically serving impurity and lawlessness, producing further lawlessness, and now your members have become slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now you have been freed from sin. You are enslaved to God. You derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. Everything is different. Not only is the end different, death and life, but the life is different from slaves of sin to slaves of righteousness. I love what it says in Romans 11, when the Deliverer comes, He takes away sin. That's why verse 14 of Romans 6 says, sin isn't master over you anymore. It's not master. And back in verse 4 of Romans 6, you you were buried with Christ in His death. You have risen with Christ in His resurrection. You now walk in newness of life. We have a new life. It's, it's the same as 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man is in Christ, he's what? It's a new creation. Old things have passed away. New things have come. I'm not perfect. But my longings are changed. My affections are changed. My desires are changed. I want to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want to love and honor Jesus Christ. I want to bring honor to the Spirit of God as His temple. I want to bring the Word of God in clear, bold relief before the face of men, and I want to obey the Word of God. And those longings are not natural longings. As a natural, unconverted person, I uh, have no understanding of the things of God. The preaching of the cross is foolishness to me. I am totally blind, totally dead to that, and fully satisfied to follow the course of my own sin. That's not how I think anymore. Sometimes parents will say, you know, I have a child and I, I remember when they prayed to prayer and, and you know, they were saved and, and now they're just living this life where all they want to do is wrong and, and look, that is the manifestation of their character. Their nature is acting its normal way. If, um, 
If you're falling into sin and saying, I, don't, I hate this, I resent this, I don't want this, if you're saying like Romans 7, there's something going on in me in my flesh that I hate, I do what I don't want to do, I don't do what I want to do, oh, wretched man that I am, please, God, deliver me from this, that's a Christian. Nobody is on their way to heaven who doesn't have manifest holiness in their life, a manifest love of what is right. Jeremiah 31, 33 is another old covenant passage. You don't need to look it up. It essentially says the same thing. Jeremiah 31, that's the classic um, new covenant passage, I should say, the classic new covenant passage, and listen to what it says. Jeremiah 31, 33, this is the covenant I'm going to make with them. I'll put my law within them, and on their heart I'll write it. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. Wow. I'll be devoted to them, they'll be devoted to me. I won't have to hold them to an external law. It'll be all over their hearts, it'll be their desire, their longing, their joy. See, sanctification is inseparable from justification. So deliverance means you're delivered from sin to righteousness. It means your whole perspective is completely changed, completely different. Wonderful way the book of Revelation begins, chapter 1, verse 5, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, I love this, to Him who loves us and released us from our sins. That's not just uh, forensic, it's, it's not just a legal release, it's a real one. That's why Philippians 3 says in verse 3, we are the true circumcision, that is, we are the true people of God who worship in the Spirit of God. That's a characteristic. We worship in the Spirit of God. We rejoice in Christ Jesus and we have no confidence in our flesh. That's a believer. Do you rejoice in Jesus Christ? Do you worship in the Spirit of God? Do you have no confidence in your flesh? Do you long to honor God, to know His Word, obey His Word? Those are the evidences of new life. Ephesians 2.10, very familiar. You're saved, verses 8 and 9, by grace, but verse 10 says, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And James says the same thing in James 2, faith without works is what? Is dead. I mean, it's by the evidence of a changed life that we know the faith was viable. Oh, there are many passages. I think of Galatians 6.15. Neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision. That kind of thing doesn't matter, but a new creation. We are a new creation. Everything has changed with regard to our view toward sin and righteousness. A final passage, 2 Thessalonians 2.13, I'll close with this. although. There are almost endless texts to which we could look. Second Thessalonians 2.13, we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you, that's election, from the beginning for salvation, look at this, through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. There it is. The two points I've been trying to make. There has to be faith in the truth. That's the first deliverance, though it's mentioned second here, and there has to be sanctification by the Spirit. Sanctification means a separation. That's what sanctification means. It means to separate. You are delivered from sin to righteousness. Salvation then comes through that separation from sin and through that faith in the truth. Those are the first two great points. Scripture is so consistent. 
Nobody is a Christian who doesn't believe in the true gospel and who doesn't have holy longings, righteous affections, love for what is right, and a deep animosity toward what is wrong. That's the indication that you have been delivered. So when you evaluate somebody's Christianity, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, right? Jesus said in Matthew 7, I'm going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. You workers of what? I just look at your life and I see the product. You do iniquity. You don't belong to me. I don't care what your claim is. You do iniquity. You don't belong to me. It doesn't matter that you said, Lord, Lord, we did this in your name, did that, prophesied, cast out demons. That isn't, that isn't the point. Look at your life. Workers of iniquity. You can tell who's a Christian. It's manifest. They've been delivered. They have been delivered to faith in the truth, in the language of 2 Thessalonians 2.13, and they have been delivered into sanctification by the Spirit. That is, they have been separated from error and from sin into truth and righteousness. Do you see? How can we ask the question, who's a Christian? It's all right there. It's all right there. They believe the truth and they live as new creations. We come to You, Lord, at the end of this, and I can only ask, as I have before, that You would help me not to overstate or understate, not to say too much and too little, not to in any way limit these dear people in their understanding of this, and yet not to beleaguer the point. Lord, You know how my heart is gripped by this issue because of this pervasive confusion, so needless. And how sad it is that people say, oh, uh, that's just his opinion. And if that isn't an exact proof of the severity of the problem, I don't know what is. We're not interested in my opinion or anybody else's. We just want the truth, Lord. And You've made it so clear how how You have held us accountable to the truth because it's so clear. It's not as if You've tucked it behind the scenes in some obscure passage. It's splattered all over the entire Scripture that to have a relationship with You, we have to come to the knowledge of the truth and we have to be delivered from sin into righteousness. The kingdom of darkness, the domain of darkness is a domain of error and a domain of iniquity. The kingdom of light, the kingdom of the Son of Your love is a domain of truth and a domain of holiness. And if we belong, then we've been delivered into truth and holiness. And may we honestly evaluate our own lives, our own relationship to You, and if there is any fear that we, in fact, are not Christians. May we embrace the truth in all its glory and cry out to be delivered from sin into righteousness. And may You be gracious to us. And Father, use us to bring the truth to bear to so many people, not only outside the church but inside so 
hopelessly confused. May we be people of the truth and people of holiness. Give us wisdom with our families, our close friends, to be discerning. And if there's not an understanding of belief in, embracing of, and love for the truth, the truth of the gospel, and there's not a passionate affection for what is right and a longing to find all satisfaction in goodness and holiness, may we help uncover that one's true spiritual condition and call them to a genuine faith and repentance. Use us in that way, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. This is Grace to You with John MacArthur. Thanks for being with us. Along with teaching each day on the radio, John also serves as pastor of Grace Community Church. He's also chancellor of the Master's University and Seminary. And John's current study is helping you better understand what being a Christian really means. It's titled, Delivered by God. Now, you know, John, you're outlining in this study the one narrow path that leads to salvation. And I can imagine some of our listeners are asking, why haven't I heard this before? Why isn't there more preaching about the exclusiveness of the gospel? Would you say that what you're teaching is some kind of new twist on the gospel message? Absolutely not. This is the old truth. This is the time-honored message of the gospel. I mean, the very fact that you understand that people might say, wait a minute, um, this doesn't sound like what I hear today, indicates how bad things have gotten. And I'm not talking about in the world, I'm talking about in the church. There, There are many places called churches where you could go and not hear that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. But that is precisely what the Bible teaches. I know that sounds narrow. It is narrow. I mean, it's absolutely narrow. And if you're wondering, does he really mean that no one is going to go to heaven apart from faith in Jesus Christ? That is exactly what I mean. That's exactly what the Bible says. I want to offer you a book, Why One Way. Remember a few years ago, the one-way sign? You see it around once in a while, people holding their index finger up. Uh, What did it mean? One way. One way. And that means one way to God through faith in Jesus Christ. Hey, we live in a postmodern world. The dominating philosophy of our day is tolerance. Everybody's got his own truth. You're entitled to believe whatever you want. And basically, if you're a good person, kind of live up to whatever light you have, you'll probably get to heaven. That's not true. That's a lie. That's a damning lie. The book is titled Why One Way. It's a quick read, but it is powerful, potent. Here's the good news. It's yours free If you've never contacted us before, contact us today. Ask for the free book, Why One Way. That's right. This helpful book will show you why Christianity, why the gospel of Jesus Christ is different from every other religion. It's the only one that saves lost sinners. Again, we'll send you Why One Way for free if you've never contacted us before. Request your copy today. You can call us right now at 855-GRACE or go to our website, gty.org. Why One Way is a compelling wake-up call to having confidence in the power of God's truth and to proclaim boldly that Jesus Christ is the only hope for this world. 
Again, Why One Way is our gift to you if you've never contacted us before. Just call or go to our website, the number here, 855-GRACE, and our website, gty.org. And while you're online, go ahead and download today's lesson. It's titled, Deliverance from Sin to Righteousness. And in fact, you can download all of John's sermons. That's 3,500 messages available in MP3 and transcript format. Just log on to our website, gty.org. And if you'd like to fill your social media feeds with biblical encouragement, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and you'll find us on YouTube as well. Now for John MacArthur and the entire Grace to You staff, I'm Phil Johnson with a question for you. When should you overlook doctrinal differences and come together for the sake of unity? Consider that with John MacArthur when he returns with another half hour of unleashing God's truth, one verse at a time, on tomorrow's Grace to You. Grace to You.